Well, hello there and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kira Mack, as always, and delighted you've been able to tune in with us yet again today. Now, before we do get into today's stories, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment if you want to, and also give us an old share on social media if you can. Also, if you like listening to us on a podcast player, link below down in the description, as I always say, where you'll find at least 20 podcast players that we're available on. And finally, if you'd like to support the show, there's also a link down below to buy me a coffee. Completely up to you if you want to do it or not. But as I say, if you can get some value from the show, perhaps a little donation will come in handy to the show once in a while. Now, that's all done. We're going to jump into the top, well, I think we have five or six stories today. And we're going to start off with the first one. Anti-Priate protester filed a complaint against officers. Anti-Priate protester Wantana Otong, 62 years of old age, filed a complaint on Tuesday with the Central Investigation Bureau against security forces of Prime Minister General Priyot Chanacha for physical assault and holding her against her will. She displayed her swollen wrists, ankles and wounds to reporters. Wantana said she was dragged away, pressed hard on her wrists, had her mouth and nose covered to the point where she had breathing difficulties. The move came after she was charged late on Monday with assaulting and preventing officers from carrying out a duty, including biting a finger off one officer, making loud noise in public and not remaining in a designated area by Ban Pong police in Ratchaburi province. The crime of assaulting and obstructing officers from carrying out his duty is subject to a maximum imprisonment term of one year and or a fine of no more than 10,000 baht. Montana move came after she was granted bail. She said she was dragged away by five or six officers after she told them, don't come close or I'll remove my clothes because she didn't know what their intention was. Montana also denied trying to block Prime Minister Priyachana Shah's motorcade, saying the incident occurred well before the motorcade arrived. One official can be seen trying to cover her mouth while another using umbrella to block news cameras. Montana was a former MO candidate for Puchart Party and she added she had tried to petition the PM at the government house several times in the past about the economic impacts on the livelihood of the locals herself including. I would like to exercise my right to choose a PM who truly solves the livelihood problems of the people and truly listens to people's problems and not just imagining things like Priot, Montana said. Now this basically stemmed from um, his trip to Ratchaburi where he had a some kind of an event planned as part of his election push and this woman was just shouting she wasn't particularly doing anything wrong but of course the security forces moved in and you can if you watch the video online you it can be seen on various other news outlets you will see that the woman was in essence assaulted by these guys and it really does truly show that the prime minister here he doesn't want to listen to criticism or people who might be booing him he only wants to listen to the cheers oh look at me they love me but oh yeah people who actually have issues and problems are you know we have to shut them up because god forbid they could have any kind of a voice and this really is the the problem with in general politics here in the country but also with this prime minister he doesn't listen to people he doesn't understand people's plight and he just walks around and acts as if you know he can do whatever he wants and what's happened here is just i mean so anti-democratic i mean the pictures the video of the whole event do not look good i saw now the prime minister on tv going what violence what happened nothing happened to this woman but i, I can tell you when you watch the video you'll understand something did happen to her and it was completely wrong 
And things like this should be, you know, called out for being wrong and undemocratic. If this woman, you know, says that people that she knows, and including herself, are having a hard time, instead of turning up in her province, right, looking for the big fanfare and applause, why don't you listen to people? Listen to what people have to say and take them seriously. And then you might actually be endeared towards the people, not by the gun or taking over the country in a coup. You know, let listen to people, show that you actually care about them and give a shit. And I think that would go a long way. But of course, that will never happen. I think most of us can understand that. Now, moving along, Phuket tourism rapidly recovers, but it's 17,000 staffers still needed and still short. Phuket tourism has rapidly recovered, but the 17,000 staffers are still needed as more foreign tourists are coming. The president of the Thai Hotels Association, Southern Chapter, Mr. Susa Kassit, uh, told Thai Media, Phuket tourism has rapidly recovered since the middle of last year. 80% of hotel rooms have been sold from January to this month, which is about the same amount pre-COVID. Chinese tourists are coming back and a new and growing tourist market of uh, Kazakhstani tourists are also appearing. The biggest tourism problems currently are the high price of flight tickets. There were 450 flights before COVID-19 to Phuket daily and now there are just about 250 flights, which is about 50% recovery, he said. Other problems are the high price of electricity and the lack of staffers in the tourism industry. We need 17,000 more staff, roughly. We have cooperated with the colleges and universities in Thailand to send us trainees, he said. Well, that's all fine and good, but I think this has come back to another thing. Why are people who were working in the industry before not returning to the industry now? Look at those points. There's no point to start crying about staff not being available. You need to look at why so many people left the industry during COVID and have never returned. What are the reasons behind that? Phuket. Okay, it doesn't seem to be a huge problem in other parts, but certainly Phuket seems to be suffering. What are the reasons behind? Poor salaries poor working conditions, high cost of living of Phuket and including rental properties, you know, just general goods and services, groceries and things like that. As they said, electricity, water, all the things that add on to a person's bill. And when you're a roommate and you're getting paid 12,000 baht per month, okay, and a lot of these hotels don't staff, have staff houses, that money disappears very, very quickly. I think the tourism industry and the hospitality industry especially in Phuket needs to have a, a bit of a look about itself when they get these trainees just let me tell you about trainees from university many of these trainees that go to university don't get paid they actually work for free as part of their internship now some hotels do pay them but pay them 300 baht per day something around that but many of these trainees that go there from universities and technical college and whatnot are working for free in these hotels they don't even get service charge they get nothing. Some of them get a small allowance. Some get 100 baht per day and get their meals while they're on duty. But at the end of the day, the hotels are getting these staff basically for free. So if Phuket wants to attract more people, it's time to look deep inside at what exactly is wrong. Why hotels can't find staff and start to think, forget about service charge for a while. Think about the salary you pay them because they're all still paying them the shitty salaries that they paid them before COVID. But what I think has happened during COVID and after COVID is people A, can't afford to go back and live and work in Phuket. And secondly, what I think has happened is people have found alternative employment, something that makes them happier than having to listen to tourists shouting at them all day, behaving poorly, having to work long hours for very little reward. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But nevertheless, I'd love to know what you think about this as well. Have you stayed in Phuket? 
How have you found the staff there? Have you stayed recently? Have they found the hotel that you stayed in to be understaffed? As always, your comments down below in that comment section are greatly appreciated. Now, next story. A Thai committee on public health suggests e-cigarette regulation and uh, an end to the ban on vaping. Now, we'll go through this story really quick and then we'll go to another story which shows how out of touch these committees are. The Thai Committee on Public Health has recommended the regulation of e-cigarettes and the end of the current ban on vaping in the country. The committee has suggested that the government should create a regulatory framework for e-cigarettes that would ensure their safety and quality. They also suggest that the sale of e-cigarettes should be restricted to those over the age of 18. The current ban on vaping in Thailand has been in place since 2014 and those caught vaping can face fines and even imprisonment. However, many vapors in Thailand continue to use e-cigarettes despite the ban. Proponents of e-cigarettes argue that they are a safer alternative to traditional cigarettes and can help smokers quit smoking. However, opponents argue that they are not completely safe and could still have the negative health effects. And just so we know that, we actually don't have enough evidence because they haven't been around long enough to know the long-term side effects of e-cigarettes. The Thai Committee on Public Health's recommendation is to regulate e-cigarettes and end the ban on vaping has sparked debate in the country, with some supporting the move and others opposing it. It remains to be seen whether the Thai government will take action to implement these regulations. Now, that story just came out and the very same day, an alternative story, polls show most oppose liberalisation of alcohol, e-cigarettes, cannabis and gambling. A network of 12 children and family rights groups, tobacco, alcohol and cannabis research institutes, have disclosed results of their opinion poll, which shows that the majority of respondents disagree with political parties' policies for liberalisation of alcohol, e-cigarettes, cannabis and gambling. Professor Dr. Sawitri, director of the Centre of Alcohol Statistics, said that a survey of people aged over 18 across the country shows that 56.1% of the respondents oppose the decriminalisation of cannabis, while over half disagree with the household use of cannabis and the growing of cannabis in the backyard. 55.5% of the respondents also disagree with the removal of the restrictions on the sale of alcohol during specific hours, and more than half of alcohol drinkers oppose the proposal to liberalise alcohol production. Meanwhile, Assistant Professor Dr. Witt K. Samat, Director of Tobacco Control Research and Knowledge Management Centre, that's the TRC, said that an opinion poll on proposed legalisation of e-cigarettes showed that 47% of the respondents agreed that such proposals is more harmful than useful to the public, while only 6.5% believe it was useful. 53% of e-cigarette users tend to develop depression and are susceptible to developing cancer, lung disease and asthma. Deputy Secretary General of the Children and Youth Council of Thailand, Alfandola, said that alcohol, e-cigarettes, online gambling and casinos are activities which are harmful to the physical and mental health of the young and tend to cause social and family problems. I don't think many people could disagree with that statement. He called on political parties to propose policies which are beneficial to youth rather than policies which drive them into vice and undermine their physical and mental health. So in two stories, you have a committee that's been set up. The government are proposing that they need to legalize, let's say, uh, e-cigarettes. And on the other hand, you have a poll coming out saying that people don't want it. So it really does show. I think things like this sometimes should go to the people for a vote and let them decide, have a referendum you know, and decide whether they want these things. Because some of these things are fundamental changes in society. Like, for example, the legalization of cannabis. I think that should have went to the people. That the people decide whether or not they agree or disagree. You know, not just one party make it as their as their election pledge and then bring it in without any rules, regulations or laws. I, I think sometimes referendums can be quite useful. Now we're getting on kind of to the main story of the end. 
I think the best way to describe this main story is, I think I did a story not so long ago in relation to Russians coming to them, Russian mafia in Phuket and kind of taking over businesses and taking over various parts. And got a lot of views this video and people, a lot of comments, people are very interested in the topic, but I think we should give it some balance as well, because I think sometimes balance is a good thing. Now, today we're going to look at the interesting story that I read in the Bangkok Post making headlines in the land of smiles, it seems that a growing number of Russians are making their way to the kingdom and putting down roots here. Now, you might be wondering why that's the case. After all, Thailand is a long way from Russia, both geographically and culturally. But as it turns out, there are a few reasons why Russians are finding Thailand an attractive place to call home. Now, before we delve a little bit further into this, just to give you an idea of the numbers visiting over the last 2022 versus 2023. So in 2022, the number one source market for Thailand was actually Malaysia with 1.948 million people visiting. Second was India with just under a million. Third was Singapore. But right down at the bottom, ninth actually was 433,000 Russians visited. Now this year alone, and we're starting, we're in what, March, but this poll or this uh, statistics end at the February 26th. Malaysia was top at just ha over half a million, with Russia second at 375, followed by South Korea at 316,000. So you can see there has been an awful lot of Russians. Now, before, as I say, I delve a bit further into this, and it's just a quick kind of take on the article that I saw and kind of bring into you another opposite or another thought process on why so many Russians are coming here. And a lot of it, it's kind of self-explanatory, but one of the things that I read today or somebody had written is the reason there are so many Russians coming here is oh, they can't go to Europe. You know, they're banned from going to Europe. They're banned, you know, so they can't go. But that's not actually technically true. They're not technically banned from going to Europe. They can come through Europe via a third country. Now, you can't fly directly from Moscow to London or Moscow to Paris or anything like that. But you can fly, for example, from Moscow to, let's say, Istanbul and then take a flight from Istanbul to that. And you have to get a Schengen visa. And they, they are still issuing countries are still issuing Schengen visas for Russians to go on holidays. But it's a little more difficult. And this is possibly why there are so many Russians vacationing in Thailand at the moment is because maybe the choices are not as much as they used to be. Of course, Turkey will be always a big destination for Russian guests and they love it there. And it's not a, not you know as far really from, uh, let's say, Russia to get to, to Istanbul as to other parts of, of the world. So yes, definitely a place they like to go. But Thailand now obviously has become a huge destination and we can see half a million Russians have arrived here since, you know, January 1st. And you can think that is a good thing or a bad thing, but that's entirely up to you and your mindset and, and kind of your interaction with Russians. I've had good, both good and bad interaction with Russians. I find some of them so nice, so kind, you know, especially the ones who speak English, you know, the ones who I always find are really nice, polite, very nice to talk with, you know, they understand, I guess, the culture of the country that they're in and they try to be respectful. And then there's other ones that seem to not care where they are and they behave exactly as they would in their own country and they don't respect people around them. And I think that's where the problems come in. But nevertheless, one of the main reasons, and, and for one thing, Thailand's climate is a lot more hospitable than what you'll find in Russia. I mean, let's face it, the Russian winter can be brutal and many Russians are more than happy to escape to a warmer climate for at least part of the year. And with Thailand's beautiful beaches, lush jungles and warm sunshine, it's no wonder that more and more Russians are choosing to spend their winters here. And you can understand that, absolutely. But it's not just the weather destroying Russians to Thailand. There's also the matter of cost. For many Russians, Thailand is a relatively affordable place to live. The cost of living is lower, 
than you'll find in many parts of Europe, and the exchange rate between the rupal and the baht is favourable to Russians at times. And then there's the matter of culture. Thailand has a rich and vibrant culture that's quite different from what you'll find in Russia. For many Russians, that's part of the appeal. They're looking for new experiences, new ways of seeing the world, and Thailand offers that in spades. Of course, it's not all sunshine and roses. There are challenges to living in a foreign country, no matter where you're from. Language barriers can be a real issue and cultural difference can sometimes lead to misunderstandings. But for those who are willing to put in the effort, the rewards of living in Thailand can be tremendous. So that is kind of it, folks. Russians are putting down roots in the kingdom. They're buying up a lot of condos. They're planning to live here for a long time. And it's not hard to see why. Warm climate, affordable cost of living, rich cultural heritage. Thailand is a place that's worth considering if you are looking for a change of scenery. And I think that's one of the big attractions for Russians. But I do think there is an issue here also for Phuket as an island. I think it's losing its charm. And it's not just because of Russian tourists. I think it's mass tourism in general is ruining Phuket. Phuket, people might say Phuket lost its charm 30 years ago, and that could be correct. But I do believe that Phuket is, it's coming harder and harder to find Thai people in Phuket these days. And maybe that's during COVID, of course, they would have killed to have this many tourists here and this kind of mass tourism flowing through. And, and we can understand why people make their livelihoods from it. But not just a Russian issue. It's all of us. I think that the appeal of Phuket is slowly disappearing. And I think if they keep going the way they're going in terms of this attraction or this going out to get this mass kind of tourism, I think Phuket is not going to be a place people are going to want to live for much longer. But I'd love to know what you think about it all. I try to be fair on this podcast as well, because, you know, we had a couple of stories that were negative in fairness towards Russians. And I think it's always good to look at a perspective of why Russians are coming to Thailand. I met a Russian guy a few weeks ago and we were having a great chat and he was such a nice guy and really, you know, he gave me a different perspective on on some Russian, he tried to explain Russian people to me in general. And after talking with him, I kind of understood where he was coming from and what really was the issues here in Phuket and Thailand. And, you know, if you, you know somebody from another country, maybe from Russia, sit down and talk with the people. They are, some of them are the nicest people. And I think it's worth bearing in mind, you know, that there's always two sides to every story. And as I said, there's been a lot of negative in the news about Russians. And I think it's always good to bring positive and why they're coming here and the reasons they are. And I think that's very helpful to the overall situation. But saying that, right, the final story of today, I find a good one is or interesting, not a good one. Bali wants to tighten visa requirements for Russian tourists. And this is what's going on in Indonesia. Authorities in Indonesia's popular holiday island Bali have asked the Central Immigration Agency to cancel a visa on arrival policy for both Russian and Ukrainian nationals after tourists were found working illegally. Not dissimilar to what's going on in Phuket, by the way. Russian nationals are among the biggest groups of foreign arrivals in Indonesia, according to official tourism data. At least four Russian citizens were deported this month for visa violations and immigration authorities have repeatedly warned foreigners in Bali foreigners in Bali against working on tourist visas. Bali Governor Iwan Koster said on Sunday that he had asked the Ministry of Law and Human Rights to tighten visa requirements by cancelling the visa and arrival facility, specifically for Russian and Ukrainian citizens due to a series of violations. Because they are at war, so they flock to Bali, including those who sought comfort or came to work here, he said, according to a post on the immigration agency's Instagram account. He added that these two countries were singled out because their citizens' infractions were more significant than those of others. 
He did not provide details of the violations, by the way. The move comes as Indonesians take to social media to complain about some Russian tourist actions in Bali, including a model who posed nude at a sacred tree and a man who allegedly hit a pedestrian while driving under the influence of alcohol. According to Indonesia's immigration agency, which is under the law, ministry declined to comment. The embassies of both Russia and Ukraine in Jakarta did not immediately respond for a request for comment. Indonesia allows nationals of certain countries to apply for a visa upon landing in the country, while others have to apply before departure. More than 77,500 Russians have arrived in the Southeast Asian country between September 2022 and January 2023, as COVID-19 restrictions were eased, compared with about 88,000 in the same period just before the pandemic. About 8,800 Ukrainian visitors arrived between September 2022 and January 2023. Known for its beaches, temples, waterfalls and nightlife, Bali drew 6.2 million foreign tourists in 2019, the year before the pandemic hit. And I think there's parallels probably to Phuket here as well. And of course, it'll be up to law enforcement and immigration to ensure that everybody, no matter what nationality you are, that you're behaving yourself on the island. And of course, Phuket now has the yellow and red card. That's right. I've just been thinking about that recently. I wonder if they're going to get referee jerseys and actually carry whistles with yellow and red cards. Because I think that would be quite entertaining if they went down that kind of road. And uh, yeah, no, it'd be quite the spectacle, you know. You could see it on the world news. Man gets deported for two yellow cards in one day. But nevertheless, that is it for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in as always. And we'll see you in a couple of days. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.